Uh, we're glad you're here. God is so good, isn't he? He's amazing in what he's doing. And uh, I just want you to know that in the first service, we had a little bit of technical issues, uh, you know, in the service and that. I felt like I was completely uh, discombobulated in what was going on. But God's good and he's faithful in the message and he always is and he always does his thing. And, uh, you know, I'm always amazed at what God's doing, and he's always doing something, right? We were singing about it. God is up to something, and he is. And so as I stand back and watch what he does and listen to him, it isn't about us in the first place. And it doesn't matter if I felt amazing about what happened, but the Spirit of God's not doing something. Don't mean nothing. God doesn't need me. doesn't need us. He chooses to use us, and it's just an incredible thing. You know, as we look in the scriptures and we see the, the story of the Apostle Paul, um, and we knew who he was before, I love the fact that God changed his name. His name was Saul, and God changed his name to Paul when he had this encounter with Jesus. And you know, it tells us in the Word of God, this is just a side note, it's not part of the message or anything, but he's going to give us a new name, you know. God, I love that. God has a pet name. I'm terrible at remembering names, so usually I just call somebody something for a while. And then, you know, a nickname, and I just say that's what they are. So I remember the nicknames. I have no idea why I can't remember your real name. So it's no offense to you, it's everybody. You know, that's why I call my wife Babe. Uh, no, <laughs> just kidding. All right, so <laughs> just seeing if you're awake, all right? And then if you're not, you know, there's coffee still over there, I think. Uh, we're going to do this, though. The Apostle Paul was an amazing guy, no doubt about that. The transformation that happened in his life was just phenomenal. So here's this guy that was, you know, religiously zealous for God. The most, one of the most religious guys you'll ever meet out there because he didn't think Jesus Christ was the Savior, the Messiah. He was out to destroy anyone who did. So he had people put to death. He had them put in prison. He disrupted them in their homes and removed them from their places and was seeking them out. It was his personal agenda to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. God is awesome, isn't he? He can use anybody, just so you know. You haven't fallen so far that God can't do something with you. When we come and have this encounter with Jesus, he just does phenomenal stuff. And so what happens, as you know, the Apostle Paul is going down to go arrest more Christians and destroy their lives, and he meets Jesus. And when Jesus stands in front of him, you know, transformation happens. When we encounter Jesus, transformation happens. Please hear that again. When we encounter Jesus, transformation happens. We are changed. We cannot be the same. And this man transformed completely. So the one who persecuted the church now preaches the good news, right? And so the word went out. So he's, he's walking with God. He's doing amazing things. He's sharing the good news everywhere. God calls him to be an evangelistic missionary. He's traveling, preaching Jesus everywhere. The God is moving. And so this walk with Jesus is now into its... Uh, been walking with God for many years now. God is moving. And now we have like two-thirds of our New Testament is written by the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul as he writes to the churches and to the leaders and different things that happen. And one of those churches is in the church in Corinth. And so when he writes to them in 2 Corinthians, he's going to say, share something with us and with them about his, uh, his relationship with God. And he has had some incredible things happen in his life, and we'll read about it here. He's going to say, I've had visions that I can't even talk about. I have seen things that no human being can talk about, explain, or anything. 
So we're giving a little bit of a glimpse like that when the Apostle John writes Revelation, right? Because God's allowing him to show us glimpses of God, the throne, heaven, the future, and all those kinds of things. But even when John was there, he couldn't give us everything. He was told, whoa, whoa, can't, can't record that. Don't tell anybody about that. But he was allowed to see it. I think that's awesome. God's so good, man. Here's the Apostle Paul as he writes to the church. Listen to it. This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I, I don't know. Only God knows. See, when God does stuff, he does it God's way. And he's like, hey, all I know is God was doing something. Isn't that cool? Please hear that. He just knew God was doing something, and the details were not all that important. The only thing that mattered was God was doing something, and he was allowed to be a part of it. Yeah, thank you, God. That's so cool. But we won't preach about that. Just stay in that for a second and move on. You ready? I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside of my body, but I do know. I was caught up to paradise, and I heard things so astounding they cannot be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. That experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> He's like, I already said enough to you right now, and I can't go on. He's stopping right here, right? He's like, I, I said I'm not going to boast, so I'm not going to. But like, this is so crazy what I've seen and experienced with God that I want to share with you. But listen, he goes on. I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about what? My weaknesses. So I'm not going to brag about the strength, power, glory of God, the encounters I've had with him, the relationship that I've been privileged to have with God. What I am going to boast about is man, I am so in need of him. I want to talk about my weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't anyone, want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Oh, that is so cool. Right there, church, please grab a hold of that, man. He's like, it doesn't matter that I could tell you a lot of amazing God stuff. What matters is what you see in me and what you've heard in the message that God has given to me. That's what matters. Let's keep going. Even though I received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. We just went from like, man, God is awesome. We've got this thing that he's shown me that I'm like, wow, God, to like, you know, I know who he is in my relationship with him and here's the deal. I've got something in my life that just absolutely hurts. I know who it's from. The devil stuck me. But listen, three times, the Apostle Paul says, I'm reading again, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. 
My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and the hardships, the persecutions and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, it's crazy, isn't it? When you listen to it, God's word is crazy. It's crazy awesome because it speaks so contrary to the way that we're wired, the way we think, and then the world puts forth to us. But God's word is truth. And so the apostle Paul is saying, look, there is some stuff that has happened in my life that is so unexplainably God and so amazing that it would blow your mind and you'd really think I'm something if I shared it. And so God's like, okay, yeah, I don't want you getting so full of yourself that you really think you're that because I have chosen God to show you something. Paul, it's not about you. It's not about what you've seen. It's about who I am. And so as we consider that, I want to talk to us about the difficulties and the challenges we face in life and how we see in this scripture that thing called grace. And what does that mean to you and I? And how I view the difficulties in my life. Please understand this, that when the Apostle Paul is talking here in the scriptures, he references the fact that the things that he's struggling with and suffering for is because of Jesus, not himself, not the world, not because there's political unrest. He's saying, the struggles that I'm having, the issues that happen in my life are because of Jesus. So he's saying this in a good way, he's saying, because I stand for the truth, I preach the truth, I live the truth, I have issues. And they are a result of this life that I live for God. So a lot of us have issues, but it has nothing to do with God. It has a lot to do with us, right? So there's two different things we're talking about. And this that we are going to talk about today, this grace that God gives to us is not about our self-inflicted issues. It's about the things that come about because I serve God. All right. So let's talk about this. How do I respond when I have challenges in my life? How do I view difficulties and hardships in my life? How do I view it when people are talking about me? They are abusing me. I'm talking about verbally or in any other ways, stabbing me behind my back, undermining me at work, doing things in the family, all that. How do I respond and how do I see that? So what is God's response to my prayers when we pray in faith? When we believe God for something and it doesn't happen. Actually, when the answer is no. What do we do then? You see, a lot of times in the Christian community, we take promises out of context. And so like, all I got to do is round up two or three people that are agreeing with me. Because Jesus said it, right? If two and three agree, it's done. So I'm just going to, I think my wife will agree with me. So I'm going to grab my wife and I'm going to grab Ashley over there. And I'm going to say, hey guys, I want to pray for this. And I want you to agree with me. Okay, we'll agree with you. We're going to pray that God does this. And then I ask God and he's like supposed to snap to attention. I mean, he said it. So I declare his promise to him and say, God, we're agreeing together that you do this. And nothing happens. And people get discouraged in their prayer life, like, what's the deal? And then we have self-proclaimed um, 
preachers of the gospel that are telling you, man, all you got to do is kind of name it, claim it, and believe, and God's going to do it. You know, you can have your health, wealth, and prosperity, and sometimes God does that, so don't. We're not bashing Baptists and those at this time. I'm telling you, I want you to hear me because I'm not saying that's not true, that God won't do that. God does bless us at times with health, wealth, and prosperity, but that's not like the all-in for every child of God. It's not the truth, right? So we have to take all of what God says to us and see the truth of his scripture so that you and I will understand in our walk that it's not like trying to get God to be our genie in a bottle or our wish granter in some context where all we got to do is ask him and he's going to provide. God's word you have to take in the whole context of what he says. And so he says when we come to him, it's about his will and his purpose in our life. Not about mine. If it was all about mine, trust me, we'd have a lot of good stuff going on. You know, I mean, I'd be like, hey, it's all, hey, God, you know, do this, do this, do this. You know, and it all be happening. Yeah, that's not good. See, that's the problem. And that's exactly what we're talking about and what God is showing us in the scriptures of the Apostle Paul. It's not about what you see, know, or even some of your experiences. That's not what it's about. It's crazy how we in the Christian community can be all about experiences. And it's like, it's not about that. But man, we have an encounter with God. I don't mean this wrong. Please hear me. We're going to write a book. We're going to tell the world. I had this encounter with God, and it's like then we're lifted up. Like we're somebody special. And so the apostle Paul's like, look, I, I could wow you right now. I could tell you stuff, man, that you wouldn't even, you wouldn't believe about God. But I'm not going to do that because I learned something. It's not about that. It's something so much more. So we look at this guy and we see that he had incredible visions of heaven, amazing stuff going on, incredible miracles. I went out the other uh, day and the, my wife loves fires. We burn more wood than anybody in Tucson. I promise you that. You know, we have fires every day in our fireplace and it could be 80 degrees outside. And we have a fire in the fire, you know, in the fireplace, you know. But anyway, that's beside the point. I walk out to get this wood from the pile, and as I picked it up, I was like, well, I better start paying attention. Rattlesnakes are probably out right now because it was like, you know, T-shirt weather, and I'm starting a fire. But anyway, we won't talk about that. I picked up the piece of wood, no snake. Thank you, Jesus. And it hit me in my mind. I was thinking, you know, the Apostle Paul did that that one day, and that snake went out and just grabbed him. And all he did is he walked over to the fire and he went like, hey, you're dead. Everybody stood back walking. They're like, that dude's dead. He's fallen. He's done. He's done for. And it's like nothing happened. And they were like, ooh, he's a god. <laughs> Isn't that crazy how we are? Oh, man, Lord help us. We are sheep. But anyway, I was thinking about that. I'm like, man, God, that dude had such incredible faith. What would I do if a rattlesnake did bite me if I grabbed that piece of wood? Would I be running in crying to my wife, get me to the hospital, I'm going to die? Or would I walk into that fireplace and just shake him off? You know, like, I think I know what I'd do. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if you think about this guy and the faith that he had and the walk with God that he had, he had incredible faith. He had an incredible relationship with God. But see, God knew Paul. And he knew his relationship with him. And God knew that he needed to keep him grounded. He needed to keep him understanding his humanity, his flesh, his weakness, and that he could become self-reliant. 
And so God said, you can talk to me about this issue in your life. Go ahead. God answered to him, nope, I'm not moving. Yeah, but I'm begging you, God. Three times it says he begged. God, yes, but we got this thing. I'm Paul. <laughs> Look at all the churches I've started. Look at all these people that are serving you because, it, I mean, come on, God. I'm ad-libbing here. That's not in the scriptures, so don't get crazy on me here. I'm just saying, like, you know how he's begging? Have you ever done that? You know, you're trying to prove your worth to God so that he does something. So he's, like, begging with God, do something, and God's like, nope, nope. So in the context of what it says in the scriptures, it's not that God said no. God said no by saying, my grace is all you need. I am seen in your weakness and who I am is revealed, right? And weakness is my strength. God speaking to Paul. So as we look at that, I'm like, okay, so what is this no slash grace that God is referencing? When we look at that then, and we're translating languages, you know, when we, when we do that, so the, the, the scripture is written in Greek, so we have to translate it into English. So we're going to try and take this word and what it means in the Greek language and give us a, a word that would mean as close as we can to that, right? And that's the, you know, the issue we have with all translation, trying to find that equal term. So the example that's easiest to use is, you know, in the English language, we have one word, love, and so we say, I love God, I love my wife, I love my dog, I love my house, I love my car, I love my motorcycle, I love cheeseburgers, right? Well, that's crazy because none of that is the same, but it's only one word. So now we're trying to translate this word called grace into the English language. And so as you look into the core of what it is and you began to look into the English language, usually in any word that we look at, you know, we use in the English language a thesaurus. So what that is, is it gives other words of meaning to give the full depth of what that means, right? Okay, so y'all know that. I'm not trying to teach school here. So here it is. When you look at that word in the Greek and you look at the definition that is drawn from in the English language, listen to this. That which affords joy. That's the first statement. Grace is that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, goodwill, loving kindness, and favor. Let's look in the English definition in Webster's Dictionary. So now as we are writing our language out and trying to help people understand our own language and we look at words it says this under grace unmerited divine assistance given to humans for their regeneration or sanctification a virtue coming from god approval or favor so it's something god does that we don't deserve that's what it says it's like we didn't earn it we don't deserve it it's all god and what it is is favor, approval, joy, pleasure. Okay, so now let's reread that scripture. So here's Paul. He's like, I'm begging you, God, please get this away from me. Heal me. Deliver me from this. Here's God's response. 
my joy, my pleasure, my delight, my sweetness, my charm, my loving kindness, my loveliness, my goodwill, and my divine favor is all you need. It's like, here's the contrast. I hurt, I want to be set free. God's like, do you know me? Do we have a relationship? Do you know who I am? Do you realize what I've done for you? What I've done for you in the relationship we have is of so much greater value than that thing that is like poking you. He says, live in it. Wow. That's kind of crazy, isn't it? God's like, my relationship with you is far superior to that, that little suffering you're doing. And I'm not making light of challenges or anything else. Obviously, this was serious. We're not told what it is, but obviously Paul had a serious deal going on because he talks about it being this and begging God to remove it. Okay, so God is telling us something here, this thing called grace. When God says no, he's saying, my relationship with you is so much more important than you getting your way being free in the moment, having an easy life. He said, our relationship is so much more valuable than that. Then my answer to you is no. You need me. And you need to be reminded that you need me and that I'm everything. And therefore, that's why the Apostle Paul said, I'd rather than just celebrate it. I'd, I'd rather just boast in the fact that I'm hurting today. I'm hurting today, and as I hurt today, I am so reminded of how much I need God. I don't think in my entire life I heard anybody stand up in church and testify, I want to praise God, I'm hurting, and I know I need Him now. Thank you, Jesus, and sit down. No, we used to do that. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about, but in the old church I grew up in, somebody would just stand up and give a testimony. Oh, I want to tell you that Satan's been after me all week been a hard week for me. I'm so like, yeah, and that's why we don't do them. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> that was a thorn in my side, but we won't go there. All right, so anyway, God, God's saying something. He's like, look, man. He's like, you need me. So deal with it. That's the Dave translation. Because if you're just going to deal with this, you're going to have a constant reminder that you're not all that. And because we have a relationship with each other, God speaking, doesn't mean you're elevated above everyone else who's suffering on the planet. Or that you're not going to have troubles or trials or struggles in your life. As a matter of fact, because you follow me, you may have extra problems. <laughs> yeah, good news. I knew this one would be exciting for everyone. We're going to be like, woo, yeah, thank you, Jesus, I think. Uh, so he's like, look, man, my relationship with you is so much more valuable than the challenge that you are facing. Okay, so what about it, church? Do you, through your challenges, hardships, difficulties, through the people talking about you, through the things that are happening out there in the world, they are happening, by the way. You, you do know that, right? That's, that stuff's all happening to you. So are you being reminded of your weakness in the sense that you will be like, I need you, God? Or are you 
saying, hey, God, you need to do something about this, and I believe you will, and therefore you have to. What some of us might need is an adjustment in how we see things and how we apply things in our life. Actually, probably all of us do, including me. I mean, I think we probably all need an adjustment on how we see what's actually happening in our life and what is going on. Um, some, I know it's nobody in this room, so don't think I know you and I'm pointing you out, but I know some Christians act like spoiled kids. When we don't get the answer we want with an immediate yes from God, we get an attitude toward God himself. And we think that he's not faithful to his promises because he hasn't just given me a yes already. Because he's not doing something about my situation, I get an attitude and I'm like, hey, you know what? Who are you? I'm not going to talk to you now. I mean, I mean, that's kind of funny, but I know people that have done it, so it's not funny. But it's like, seriously, you're gonna, like, I'm going to give God the silent treatment? <laughs> I'm not going to read my Bible now because you're not doing what I need. You're not faithful, so, you know, I'm just going to ignore you until you come around. <laughs> seriously, church, just think about it. You know, it's like if we're not getting that yes then we're starting to question faith, question prayer, question all the promises of God. But if we would step back and look at the promises of God and take the whole context of Scripture instead of lifting the ones out we want and seeing that God says that the things that we ask for should be according to His will, for His pleasure, and for His divine purpose over us. All right. So here we see Paul coming to the Lord three times, begging God. So as I'm looking at this, praying and listening to what God's saying to me about the message today, and then I'm thinking, well, Jesus also came to God three times, didn't he? Here he is in the garden. Comes to the Father. He's telling everybody around him, man, you got to pray for me. Something, something is about to go down that you have no clue about. Pray. Goes over here and falls before the Father. Father, <laughs> let this cup pass from me. So church, you know, you, you need to see that little cup that was in front of him. Like when we do communion, you know, like with the blood, Jesus was about to drink my sins and yours. Take in all that sin. And when he looked at my sin, and we can all say that word, when he looked into the cup and saw my sin, our sin, the world's sin. He looked at that being holy God himself, realizing that he was going to take sin into his perfect, holy, pure godness. And he was like, oh, I'm going to leave that there for a moment. <laughs> hey guys, please pray. Looking for a way out here. Come back. Looking again. When I think about this, I see my face in that cup. I do. You know how you see a reflection? But he was looking at the sin, Dave. But as he looked at the sin, Dave, he looked through by faith and faith, praying to the Father, and he could see the redeemed, Dave. He's like, God, that's what we're after. 
the redeemed, Dave. But God, do I have to do this to make that happen? Three times, nothing changed. Thank you, God. Do you see that, church? You and I are redeemed because God said no. Here's Jesus on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? No answer. There we were. <laughs> so here's Jesus asking three times. Here's Paul asking three times. I'm not telling you shouldn't ask more than three times, and I'm not telling you not to ask, nor is God. But when God doesn't answer with an immediate yes, it may be a no. And if God's saying no, that my grace is all you need, how are we responding to that? So we're not telling you don't bring your challenges before God. God's not saying don't ask me for stuff. He invites us to ask. But let's ask on his terms and accept his answers. We're not in a negotiation with him or proving ourselves. It's exactly what Paul was saying. I'm not here to boast about my spiritual relationship with God or what I've seen or what I've experienced. No, actually, I'm here to boast because I've recognized that I need him. <laughs> what we are learning through facing the challenges that we face is that we need God. If all God did was just give us what we asked for, I mean, let's just say that, you know, we could claim it, name it and claim, I'm not being disrespectful. I'm just saying, let's just say that we could all name it and claim it. Well, wouldn't we all just get together and say, in the name of Jesus, I want, you know, all my bills taken care of, all my finances today, I want my health to be restored, I want my family to be redeemed. You know what I'm saying? Like, couldn't we just put together a list and just like, it's all happening? I mean, everybody in the world would start coming to our church. They'd be like, I'm in, man. <laughs> I want in on that action. Let's go, right? But it's not like that. So God's like, you need me. Because as soon as you start getting your needs met, you tend to forget me. Because you become self-reliant. It's exactly why he said it's harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than, I mean, a rich man to go to heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. He's like, you know why, right, folks? You know why? Because if they need something, they just make it happen. He's like, that's the problem. You become so self-reliant, you don't need anything. Therefore, you don't need me. And God's like, you need me. I want you to know you have what you have because that's what God trusts you with. And because you asked him and believe and pray and want more doesn't mean you're going to get it. You got what you got because that's what he trusts you with. And you need him. And so as I look at this, I'm like, man, Lord, you know, your word tells us that true strength comes from you and not from self. And we need to see ourselves in our human weakness to depend upon your godness. That's exactly what he's talking to us about. So God knows you and I well enough that if we need a thorn in our flesh, he's going to allow it. That thorn came from the devil, you know. God didn't like stick him. God allowed this. 
Mm, that makes people uncomfortable a little bit, but that's what the word of God says, right? Same thing that happened with Job. Like the accusations come, God's like, nah, I'll let the fence down right there a little bit. And he did. And bad stuff happened. Didn't change who God was. Didn't change anything about the relationship. Nothing. Stuff happens. And so as we look at this, it's like God's like, I know you. And if you need a, a thorn in your flesh, then I'm going to allow you to be stabbed. Because what matters to God is that he looks at us through the lens of the moment of this life into eternity. God always sees eternity because he's God and he's all-knowing. And so he's looking at me and you and his desire is for you and I to spend eternity with him. And so when God sees us and he's like, I want you to get there, therefore you need to be reminded you need me because you're not going to end up there if it's all about you. Therefore, mm, you got a little thorn in your foot. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, yeah, oh. Reminded. There's a reminder. Oh. That's what he's talking about. He's like, you need to constantly be reminded that I'm God, you're not, you need me. Maybe, church, and again, I'm not like saying this is on us or anything like that. I'm just thinking and speaking, looking at God's word. And I was right. I was like, man, you know, maybe if we have to keep stopping and pulling thorns out of our foot, God may be trying to get a message to us. You're way too about you. And you need to surrender. So it's a reminder. So if I keep having this affliction, this, this thing that keeps jabbing me, there's got to be a reason. Because nothing is like pointless in our relationship with God in our life. So what is it, God? What is it? Am I being too reliant about myself? Am I too confident in my own abilities and myself? You know, what we think we know. Banking on our experiences or our encounters with God because we've had supernatural encounters with God doesn't mean we're supernatural. And God's like, you know, I've allowed you to know me. And I've allowed you to have these experiences, but I want to keep you reminded that you need me. And it's not about that experience. It's, it's crazy because we in the Christian community are all about experiences and we'll chase experience. And we want to have that like encounter with God so then we can like feel spiritual. So I want you to know that most people feel spiritual on Sunday. We sing songs, we like love that music and this environment and God's presence is strong and so we have these experiences with God and we feel that encounter and then we feel like we're spiritual. I'm not saying we're not, just hear me all the way through. But you see, if on, on Tuesday, I'm a complete moron, that's really who I am. That's not how I feel on Sunday. And so this is what this whole scripture is talking about. It's not about that experience or that encounter or that moment or that truth of you seeing who God really is. I hope that you see who God truly is here today. But if in that encounter we aren't changed, it's done us no good. And so God's like, you need to be constantly reminded that I am that God, even on Tuesday. I'm that God. And God is seeing us on Tuesday 
Sunday morning. So you might have a thorn Tuesday. God's like, do you remember me? Okay. Let's look at what the Word of God says right here. In uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he's made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. Isn't that awesome? So we see it through God's revelation to us of Jesus Christ. So grace itself is revealed through Jesus Christ. So God's divine love and, and joy and everything that he's given to us is seen and experienced through Jesus Christ, through salvation, through that regeneration that God does for us. We experience for ourselves that grace. So it is in that relationship that grace is known and God is saying, like, in that relationship, what you need to be reminded of is that's what life is all about. I'm giving you this so that you would have a way that is illuminated of how to walk and live a holy life. We're not called to live that brokenness. Okay. Grace is not given to us to have a thornless ride into eternity. It's given to us in order to know the relationship that God desires for us and for us not to be self-reliant. So I was talking about this in the other service and I'm from Michigan and we don't have cactus, you know? And so, you know, I love the outdoors and I'm here in Arizona and experiencing things like, it doesn't matter where you go, there's something that wants to hurt you, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's there, man. And there's this thing called choya that I'm going to ask God about when we get to heaven. Like, why? What is that all about, man? <laughs> like, if you are not constantly paying attention to where you're going, if you're somebody that wants to be out in the desert, like if you're not watching what you're doing, you will meet choya. It is called the jumping cactus because I swear we have human magnets that, that choya is attracted to. And it just like, and it's on you. And then how are you going to get it off, right? You're like trying to get that thing out. Yeah, well, I mean, goodness, man. It's crazy. I, um, so here it is. I'm thinking about this as I'm going along. And, and as I think about the scripture and the grace of Jesus Christ and what he's calling us into, God's like, look, I'm calling you to live this way. This is what I'm calling you to live like. I'm calling you to live in complete humility, dependency upon me, and knowing that I am your all. You cannot do it without me, and you have to have me. And the fact of the matter is I've never seen anybody live that way 100% every single day of their life, which is why there's Choya. <laughs> so here it is, man. God's called us to this life of holiness, right? We just read about that. He's called us into that life, a life of of holiness and purity and dependency and all about God, a life of surrender. And as soon as you and I take our eyes off the road and I'm stepping over here, I meet Choya. It's there for a reason. To keep us on the path. 
And so God's like, you need this. So here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to stick one in the back of your leg that you're not getting out. And that'll be constantly reminding you that if you step off the path, there's more coming. So you can say, thank you, God, for the choya. And thank you, I only have one. All right? Now, the problem is, is a lot of us are like blaming God when we just ran off through the desert one day. God didn't lead us there. And so we go running off, like blindly going. You will not blindly go through the desert without getting choya on you. And if you're doing that, it's going to be a lot more than a, I don't know what a singular choya is, but it's going to be a lot. I'll just leave it like that right? So we're like going along in our life and all of a sudden I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm not listening to what God says, the Holy Spirit. He's trying to call me into this and I'm like doing my thing anyway. For one thing, I'm so self-reliant and I think I got it together that I can do this. So I don't rely on him because things seem to have been going smooth and there I go. And pretty soon I find myself in this choya patch and it's all jumping and I'm like, God, what's the deal? Why am I here? What is going on? He's like, tell me about it. I've been talking to you since you were over there. I had you on that path. So there's self-inflicted thorns and there's God-given thorns and they're very different. There are thorns of our own making where I'm just not listening and doing my own thing and I'm still all about me. And then we're on our own and the devil's going to just like throw you right in it. But when God does it or allows it, I should say he doesn't do it. He allows it. He's doing it for our good. And so if I'm right here in the middle of the path and all of a sudden I got Choi on me, it's like, ooh, why is that there? Something's going on. I need to pause right now and say, okay, God, I really want that out. <laughs> Can you pull that out? And if he says no, keep walking. Just keep walking. Seriously. You can come to him again. Hey, God, I know you can remove this. If you don't mind, like, take it. And if he says no, keep walking. And after the third time, I just want to encourage you to just face it. It's probably no. You can ask again. <laughs> Go ahead. I think we've seen in Scripture that maybe after three times, there's an answer. And we might as well come to grips with the fact that I guess it's not changing in me. I'm not talking about people around me or stuff. I'm not telling you to give up on your prayer life. Don't misunderstand me. I'm saying when the answer to you personally about the thorn you carry is a no, take it. Because the Apostle Paul said, I'd rather glory in it, in what it is that God is afflicting me with so that I'm dependent upon him rather than proclaim the spiritual things and act like everything's perfect in my life, that nothing's bothering me and I have no issues. In the book of Titus, chapter 2, verse 11, and we're going to read 12 as well, it says this, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. Right? So God's telling us the whole world is full of joy. And you're supposed to keep yourself on the path that grace illuminates before you. And God says, but I know you guys. <laughs> and I know that if you start thinking you got it all together, you're going to think you're free of joy. And he's like, there it is. 
<laughs> yeah, but it's God allowed. There's a big difference. Remember that as we go along. So it's, it's to help us to understand that, you know, we can't just go running off into the desert and not have consequences. This is why God is re re revealing to us the grace and saying, like, you're called to live this way for me in relationship with me. All right, so the only thorns God will ever allow, God, I'm talking about the God thorns, the only ones God will ever allow are those that keep us humble and dependent upon him. He'll never send us into that environment to afflict us because he's God and he thinks it's funny. He's not playing games with you and I. God is looking at eternity, our soul, our relationship, and he is way more serious about it than we are. And so he's not like entertaining himself like we're just a pawn and he's having fun and him and the devil are playing a game. That's not happening. God's like, I love you so much that I'm willing to discipline you to the point where you will remain humble before me so that you and I can be together forever. And when we get there, that thing's going to be removed. Trust me. Isn't he awesome? That's how much God loves us. He loves us so much that he's willing to allow us to be a little bit uncomfortable so that we will have a relationship with him for all eternity. And that is what the Apostle Paul was celebrating. He wasn't excited that he was hurting. He wasn't like, woo, I feel rotten today. Praise God. You know, that's fake. <laughs> He's like, hey, I don't feel good, but whatever. God's got me. And it will be good. So let's read another verse and we'll get out of here. It's the same one we read before. When we take off... Um, when for God saved us and called us to live a holy life he did this not because we deserved it but because that was his plan from the beginning of time to show us his grace through Jesus Christ so as we have that as our first action step the thing that we want to recall in ourselves and ask God about today is I want to ask you do you have a thorn of your own making or something that has been there afflicting you in your life been something you've come to God for and he hasn't removed it yet. So let's contemplate those two things and bring them before God. Because if there's a thorn in your life that is of your own making, God will remove it. And it gets removed through repentance. But if it is a thorn that God has allowed, then the thing that God wants us to come to today is the fact that his grace is enough. And that we are made strong in our weakness because he gets glory okay so this is a moment where god wants us to come to this i don't want to say final conclusion because maybe you're only asking him for the first time and i want you to do it at least two more different times not right away like do it do it do it you know <laughs> let's let's see what god is doing right now are you are you facing something that isn't changing if you are, is it a tool that God is using to teach you your dependence on him? It's okay to talk to him about that, you know? It's important for us to do that because we need to settle the issue. That's exactly what Paul did. He had settled the issue and accepted it, right? He said, I begged God three times, but the answer was, no, my grace is all you need, and I'm made, you know, glorified through your weakness right so i'm saying to us what we need to do is settle the issue is it this or is it that and then go on have you surrendered to your weakness and are you relying on god's strength so our last action step
You know, we can't do it. None of us can live it without him. We are 100% dependent upon his grace to live in the illuminated way that God has called us, which is a life of holiness, away from the world and away from sin. Can't do it on our own. So, hey, I'm, I'm not saying this sarcastically or anything, just so you know. Like, God, if we need a thorn, give us a thorn. I want to be with you. Whatever it takes. I want to be with you, Lord. As you look into the future of eternity for Dave, and you looked at me when you were willing to take my sin in your life, whatever it takes to get me to be with you, God, so be it. Yeah. That's serious prayer right there. Are you ready to do that with him? Stand with me. Altar's open. Whatever it is that God's dealing with you, let him deal with you on it. This isn't about what I think, what you think, what we think, what the church thinks. This is about you and God and what he's saying to you in this moment. Altar's always open. I want to be encouraging to you to always come to God if you need to at the altar. Yes, you can pray in your seat. Yes, you can pray at home. Just inviting you here while we're together in the presence of Almighty God in this moment. Father, we love you. So grateful for Jesus. Thank you for grace. We won't even be here today if it wasn't for your grace, God. None of us. Unmerited divine favor. <laughs> we are so humbled, Lord, that you would ever reach out to us to have a relationship and that you would accept me. <laughs> Lord, awaken us, stir us, show us, reveal <laughs> how much you love us even in the midst of challenges. And Lord, whatever it takes, we want to be with you. Lord, whatever it takes. Our kids, our grandkids, our parents, our relatives, our friends, our neighbors, the people, whatever it takes, God. Eternity is what matters. Say this in the name of Jesus, Lord. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, altars open as always. You're dismissed. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here today.